This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Dr. Vic and excited to connect with you today as this week I had an awesome interview conversation with Matt Zemin and it's a topic I love to discuss. I'm all about consciousness if you guys haven't known that already. If it's your first time listening, you have you'll understand this a little deeper. For those who've been listening and subscribed to the podcast and so forth, you you totally get where I'm coming from here. Um but this topic is something I've, I, I love discussing on so many levels, and this one I went deep. Um, the tables in this interview actually got flipped a little bit. Uh, Matt started interviewing me a little bit, and then we went back back to him and to just dive deep and understand the world of psychedelics. Um, I am a, a big fan of psychedelics. I I, I I I don't do them often at all, but I do when I need, uh, when I feel that it's something to address or need to tap into. Um, I'm it, it, as I share in the the episode, I'll talk about how I am a purist, and I usually I know that I can attain those levels without things. But I share in there, and I'll share some stuff too about how I'm, how critical it is to uh, dive deeper to understand how it gives you that element like when I did ayahuasca and the whole experience of it and and what did it teach me and what did it help me with and the beauty of what I've learned and why I haven't done it since nine, 10 years ago. And I don't see it in anywhere in the near future either because of um, what it taught me and the, the, the energy and that feeling of where to go to. So without further ado, before we get into the interview, I'll tell you a little bit about Matt. He's an entrepreneur to Psychonaut. Matt Zeman is the CEO and co-founder of Happy, a mental wellness company that specializes in psychedelic-assisted ketamine therapy along with digital therapeutics that promote life transforming outcomes. As an entrepreneur in the well-being sector, Matt was the co-founder and chief strategy officer of Psychable, an online community connecting people who would like to explore the healing power of psychedelics with a network of practitioners and psychedelic-based treatments and the co-founder of Talk Two Minutes, a nonprofit dedicated to helping individuals improve their mental wealth and well-being. I'm sorry, mental health and well-being. Prior to focusing on well-being, Matt had two other successful exits. Matt is the author of The Psychedelics for Everyone, A Beginner's Guide to These Powerful Medicines for Anxiety, Depression, Addiction, PTSD, and Expanding Consciousness, and received his Master's of Science in Psychology and Neuroscience of Mental Health with honors from King's College in London. Without any further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this awesome interview that I had with Matt Zemin. 
Matt, welcome to the show. Vic, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited of your expertise in what you're doing. And uh, so just so excited to go down to see what this conversation takes us to. Um, before we do that, though, can you just share with the listeners how you got into what you're doing, your journey, your path that led you to where you are today? I am happy to do that. I mean, it was, it was a, a little bit over three years ago when some friends said, hey, why don't you come do a guided psilocybin or magic mushroom journey with us? I was like, um, I wasn't a big drinker. I, I really didn't do any drugs. Was, I, I don't think that's really for me. And they said, yeah, you might want to do this. This is, this is good. And uh, I like to travel. And they said, it's going to be kind of like a trip. I was like, all right, I like that. I like learning. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I, I can do this. So anyhow, long story short, I agreed to do it. And um, in this journey, I reconnected with my mom who, who I've lost both my parents when I was young. I was a junior in college and the year after, and I reconnected with her in, in a way that was just beyond my wildest imagination. I, I just couldn't even believe what had happened where I could, where I could feel her presence. I could connect with her. I could pull through her to my kids. It was, it was astounding. And, um, and a few other things happened in that experience as well. And I, and I emerged from that saying, what was that? And Almost immediately, um, went back to school to get a master's in neuroscience and psychology to try to figure out what what is that, and dove deep into the world of, of psychedelic medicine to see what are what are these medicines all about. Um, yeah, and that that's what started this journey, and then that led to to writing this book of uh, trying to put the information that I was gathering in a way that was just easily access accessible for other people like me who are just starting on on their journeys. I love that story. It, it's kind of cool where it, these things can, these, these, the, I call plant medicines, right? Is that fair to say? Totally fair to say. Right. I just want to make sure we're on the same there. Yeah. It, what it can do and how it can just activate these parts of our brain in so many different ways to, you know, have an experience where we're like, hold up here, wait a minute. Mm -mm. This is how, how is this, you know? And for some people, they'll hear the term psychedelics and they'll think drugs right off the bat. Mm hmm. Would would you call it a drug or is it plant medicine? Can you just like differentiate 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 between the two? I mean, I think I think we have room to hold both thoughts in in our in our in our hands at the same time with this. I mean, alcohol drug, caffeine drug, nicotine drug. Um, the so is this a drug? Of course, but when used with intention and with uh with purpose, this is a medicine. So these, these medicines, there are 309 academic institutions right now studying psychedelics or with psychedelic centers. That's a lot. And why are there so many? Because there are things that it is doing to revolutionize mental health that, uh, that we just have ignored during this prohibition we've had for the, since the Nixon administration. So whether it's depression or anxiety or OCD or eating disorders, um, so many different uh, smoking cessation, substance use. There are so many things that we're finding that psychedelic medicine can help with. That's it's it's just incredible, and the results are are, are just staggering. Yeah, it's amazing to see the research. I think there's I think there's clinic stage four clinical trials right now with psilocybin going on. Or oh, this is probably a year ago or so that I've heard. So there, um, there's there's two medicines you're, you're probably thinking about. There's MDMA and yeah. psilocybin. Both of these medicines, F the FDA has given breakthrough therapy designation to. So let's let's take MDMA first because that's kind of this is really exciting. I and mean, this is going to be legal in our country again in the next two years. MDMA is in its fa phase three studies happening right now. Um, they're working with people with treatment resistant post traumatic stress disorder. So think about veterans, think about first responders, think about victims of sexual assault who have tried everything else. They've tried therapy. They've tried the existing medications. Nothing's working. Two sessions with MDMA, phase three trials, again, academic studied, 67% are emerging without PTSD. 67% who had no other help, hope before. That's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, I just find it amazing and incredible that, um, that we're this close to re- welcoming back a medicine that, that has been uh, just kind of wrongfully made illegal. And just for the listeners, MDMA is a form of uh, ecstasy, right? It's not ecstasy in itself, but it's one of the chemical components to it, correct? Arguably it is. It is ecstasy. The, the, here's, oh, it the, here's the challenge with that. It's it's really funny. There's there's actually another study that where, the, where the researchers went and gathered street ecstasy, street MDMA, and they studied it. Over half of it 
had no MDMA in it. It was sold as MDMA, but over half did not. Um, it was only like 20% was pure. The other 30 or whatever, almost 30% was laced with something else. And that's this is one of our challenges in our country. We can't have reasonable discussions on drugs. Um, therefore, we have these drug policies that actually make us unsafe because people are forced to this these underground markets where they don't know what they're buying and kids are dying. And it's a uh, it's it's just not good. No, I can agree with you on that because you even see it in like with with marijuana. If you get pure marijuana versus or cannabis, I should say. Um, or you get the street stuff and it's laced with all these synthetics and all these other things to enhance the high and all that other stuff. And it's just like, that's not, uh, uh, that's not the pure stuff. It's, it's all these things that you don't know what you're getting. When, when you hear, when people hear the word psychedelics, what are, you know, we talk about MDMA and now Mm -hmm. is MDMA considered a psychedelic? It is. Yeah. So there's, when you think about, um, there are psychedelics that are, you kind of work from your head to your, your third eye, your eye to your heart. So Things like DMT and Bufo are talk are, are things that expand your kind of blow your <laughs> open up your mind in a big way. And things that give you the visuals are more things like a uh, psilocybin, ayahuasca, um, LSD, and then things that open your heart um, would be more like the MDMA. So it's it's a it's a heart opening psychedelic. Gotcha. Yeah, I can. Uh, I've I've done ayahuasca before, so okay. I, I I know the how the, was that well- experience for you. I did a whole weekend worth of it. It was a spiritual cross journey with a shaman and all that good stuff. And, and, uh, I, the first night was bliss. I mean, okay. connecting with, you know, how you were saying you're connected with your mom. I connected with my grandfather who passed away, but then my dad was there who my dad is in the physical world, mm-hmm. but I was connected with his spirit side, his true self. And, um, so much bliss. I, I mean, my heart was so wide open. I couldn't even, didn't even want to talk after my wife was like, your heart is like blaring open right now. And I'm just like, I don't even know what to say, mm-hmm. but then the next night, uh, ego <laughs> got its challenge and mm-hmm. man, that was not fun. Um, but overall it was, you know, it was a blissful experience in the end. Um, but it did, it took me a little bit to get back. Cause I remember we were driving back home after the weekend with my wife, well, a girlfriend at the time. And I looked at her and I'm like, I don't even know how I could return. Like, I just don't know. And I go, this was, and I've never done any drugs before in my life. I've never done, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, alcohol, if you want to, if that, and I wouldn't I even do much of that. And um, so for me to do this, it was just, it was really something else. But uh, as I always tell people, it was like, it, it for me, at least it, it brings up your fears and it brought up, you know, I died on the first night, like not physically or anything, but sure, met, like the experience of death and going through death, mm-hmm. I literally went through it and it was, it was so interesting uh, how we fight so much to let go of our, you know, let go of this life. And then when I just finally said, I can't hold on anymore. And Ayahuasca kept saying to me, Mother I was like, let go. Just give up. You're, you're, you're fighting this. You're not going to win. So just let the mind go. And I kept, my mind was like, no, I got to hold on. And then I was so weak. I couldn't even hold myself up on my side anymore. I just finally said, I got to let go. And I let my head on the pillow, lights go out. And then all of a sudden, boom, these lights go on and I'm like in pure bliss. And then I was just like, and I've talked to people who had near death experiences. I've talked to people in the past, you know, who mediums who talk to souls and they're like, yeah, that's, that's the experience. And I was like, that is so interesting, but I had to get over that, that fear of death. And then it took me on a whole nother journey, which is a whole nother story, but but, no, but yeah, that, that what is so beautiful. Um, but both things, what you said. So, so kind of working backwards, the, the idea that. We, that we all know, I mean, and you, you coach all the time, right? You're talking with people who feel um, that they're hitting walls and that life is a battle and there's, they've got a, their life is just doesn't need to be this hard or I'm stuck in a rut. And then all of a sudden you have one of these experiences and it's not theoretical. You know, you are enough, you are loved, you are safe. Everything is fine, is good. And you know that, and that's powerful. And that's for, at least for me, was something I realized that I've, I had, I hadn't known that I hadn't felt true love and, and, and safety before until that type of experience that you just, you just described happened for me. Um, and I think the other thing that you said, those just also, also beautiful is the second day was, a was, you didn't use the word bad. You said challenging. It was a challenging experience and it took some time to unpack that experience and move you forward. Um, but you look back on it and, and it sounds like you look back and I, you needed to do that. Is that a fair statement? 
No, I mean, totally. It was, it, it, it was just how much, what I was showing me was just how much I let my mind control my life mm -hmm. and how I was addicted. Oh, it's five hours. Okay. I got only five hours. Yeah. That lasted, I think at 16 hours or something like that. It was crazy. Cause we did it like at four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock. And no, it was like 14 hours. No, yeah, 15, eh, about 15 hours. We did it four o'clock in the afternoon. It got that. I knew the time was coming. I'm like, okay, great. I'm getting through this. It's almost 10 o'clock. This should be the end of this. We're getting up, but you can hear the music starting to come to that point. We're like, all right, great. We're going to have some food and just a slight little bit of food. I'm like, all right, good. I can get over this thing. I'm done. I'm so my mind, I can't even think anymore. I get a little bit of food. I'm still not all fully there. And then I'm like, you know, I looked at my my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time. I looked at me, I'm, I'm tired. I think I'm going to go lay down. I just, it, this was not a fun one. And I went to go lay down and Mother Aya is going, you thought it was over. And that's all she kept saying to me. You thought it was over. Let go. Just, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the whole night I had visions and this and all this stuff. And I was, when I woke up and I was like, is it over? Is it over? And I was like, I think I'm coming back. And I was just like, wow. I looked at my girlfriend, my wife, and I go, how was that for you? She goes, same thing. And it was funny. A lot of us all experienced the same thing. It was like, it didn't, it lasted way longer. So it's funny how the power of the group, um, we all went through that, the experience. And most of us had um, a lot of challenges, if you like, um, during, that, during that time. So yeah, so let's a lot talk of fun. about that. let's talk about that for your listeners and just kind of unpack that because because what you're saying uh, completely resonates. But I also want to make sure we get this across. So, so a lot of times with psychedelic medicine, you can do it the Western way, which is which is kind of what these studies are done. It's it's you in a room and with a couple of different people, and you're going to take it in a very, even if it looks like a living room, it's still kind of a clinical experience. And then there's more of these types of experiences where you have a group of people um who are who are all partaking in these these psychedelic medicines at the same time and typically at least in my experience there's a preparation phase why are you here what brings you to this point why are you trying to uh what what are you looking for what's your intention with this medicine then you go through the medicine experience and it comes in waves and then oftentimes in a group setting there's an integration period where what came up for you and at least in in my experience those group I'm shy, and when I don't, I'm I'm personally, I've been historically, um, yeah, shy for lack of a better word. And these group sessions, I've been really enjoyed having, being able to hear other people, being able to share what I've shared, and and realize that when somebody else is talk talking, even though they're talking about their story, it connects to mine, and vice versa, and we're all together in this. So I think that these group medicine experiences can be tremendously powerful. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're saying is what we all did and went through. And, um, but yeah, the group experiences were unreal. Cause that's something I needed to know. Cause sometimes I'm in my own head, like going, is it just me that I just have that experience? And then you're listening to someone talking about something deep they went through and all this stuff. And you're just like, okay, I can relate. Cause I was going through something similar in a different way, but similar. And it was just so, that's why I enjoyed the, the gatherings after, mm -hmm. um, to just connect with everybody and uh, just more for just hearing. I just wanted to hear what they went through because I'm an empath. So I can feel the energy. So when they're talking, I can, I, I, I'm not really paying attention to the words. I just want to feel the energy. Cause I'm like, okay, even though I can't explain, I can't decipher that energy. It's just the energy of where they're coming from. I'm just like, that's so cool. That was transformational from that was some deep stuff there that they're clearing up. And it's just um, some amazing things and amazing stories of what that just that weekend alone was i haven't done it since that was over it'll be 10 years ago next may um but it was one of those things where i haven't felt the calling to go back mm -hmm. but one of the cool things that i appreciate about it though is it taught me and showed me that that place to get to and then it's like okay that's what that was or that's what that feels like and so when i meditate or i you gong baths have been really great for me mm -hmm. to where it takes me to that place and i can get to that center and all of a sudden i'm like all right, I, I'm here. And sometimes I'll come out of a meditation. I'll tell my wife, I'm like, yeah, I felt like I was ayahuasca in that meditation. It was just, I couldn't keep up with the information. It was just so flying flat, so fast at me, but I was in that place and it was really cool to be there. And it's great to have that experience. Cause I was like, okay, uh, I know what that looks like. Just like when I, when I did, like, um, I was getting some self uh, hypnosis done mm -hmm. and I was kind of, I was apprehensive about it. There's some old conditioning in my mind, hearing stories. I'm just like, and the lady was like, have you meditated before? I'm like, yeah. She goes, you already know what this is then. And I was like, are you sure? After we got done, I, I started laughing. And she's like, what are you laughing for? I said, this is literally like what you said. It's a meditation. I, I totally vibed with this. So I digress. But no, 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 that's 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 great. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, just uh, again, for your for your listeners, I think we should just unpack just a little bit more of the um, 
of kind of the set setting and uh and and intention and integration so one and actually really quickly one of the reasons i think the pharmaceutical companies do not like a lot of what's happening in psychedelic medicine is what you just said i you, i did this experience 10 years ago and i'm still thinking about it having the impact of this today many of these psychedelic medicines people do once in their life twice in their life there are people who do it more more frequently but and, and again, depends which medicine you're you're talking about. But for a number of people, it's a once or twice a lifetime experience, and it helps. And that's that is very different than the than the model that we're all used to, where you're going to take an antidepressant or SSRI every day for thirty years, and you're going to have all these side effects, whether it's lack of um, sexual libido, uh, memory issues, um, gastrointestinal issues. Um, if for youth, for the suicidal ideation potential with, with SSRIs, there's all these things that happen with the existing pharmacological options that do not happen with these psychedelic medicines. And um, yeah, but there's not as much money to be made from them. So that's challenging for the end, for, an, for industry when they look at this and say, oh, well, this isn't, there's lots of reasons why we don't want people doing this. And yeah, it's so true. I mean, I can go down a whole rabbit hole with you on SSRIs, but uh, mm -hmm. I'll hold back on that one. Um, but one of the things I love to ask, so there's, you mentioned a few psychedelics. What about things like peyote and mescaline, or mescaline um, and San Pedro? Are those, um, do those have, are those psychedelics, do they also one favor the other head versus heart kind of thing? Yep. So, so mescaline is definitely a heart opener. Um, and, and the mescaline, Mescaline is an alkaloid that can be found in things like the San Pedro cactus and in the, the peyote. Um, the challenge as, as a society, I would say, with peyote is that there's just not a lot of it left. And it's, um, yeah, there's some, some very deep sustainability and and kind of, for lack of a better word, ownership question, questions around peyote. So um, I'm always encouraging people who are, if you're going to look for a mescaline, Go with San Pedro. Find yourself a San Pedro ceremony versus a uh, peyote ceremony, just for sustainability purposes. But yeah, those are those are beautiful um, heart openers. That's one that has been calling to me ever since my journey with ayahuasca. Just because ayahuasca was very intense, mm -hmm. um, and it is I was very like, intense. It's, and it's I was very when physical. some people. Yes, it's it's so much going on, mm -hmm. and uh, I remember some people ask because I shared this in my book, my first book, and I talked a little about it on the podcast. So people are like, oh my god, I heard because ayahuasca now is getting so popular, which sometimes it, it annoys me because it's a sacred plant and it has sacred properties and if it has to be used in the way, but I guess mother Isle will correct people when it needs to be, but it's, it's one of those things where, um, it was so intense that some people like, Oh my God, I would love to do ayahuasca. I'm like, yeah, it has to be a calling to you. Don't, don't just think it's cool because you're going to go through a journey. That's it is intense. And, and if you're not ready for it, it can, it can shake you up a little bit. And I know some people who've gone like gone down a road afterwards where it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't, you know, it's just their whole identity was broken down. And all of a sudden they're mm -hmm. like, I don't know how to come back to the world. And it took them some time, but when they did just to clarify, when they did come back to this world and they found their new identity, their whole life was transformed in a beautiful way. So it's not, it was a bad thing. It was just, it was hard for them to make that new connection. Absolutely. Sam, That's where integration is so important where, yeah. where people, People will go to some of these psychedelic medicine options that exist, and they they will be they'll kind of go through this amazing experience or this challenging experience, depending on it, and then they're kind of let go, and they don't have the resources. They don't know who to, who do I talk to about this, and so I think just as important as preparation, which is why are you here, what is your intention, and just as important as setting, are you in a safe place where you are where you are loved and cared for and and where, where you can focus on what you're doing um, is the integration. Who is going to be there afterwards to help you process whatever it is that that you experienced and to help you. It's things like don't make a radical change to your life right as you come out of an ayahuasca ceremony. Let's give it some time. Think about this. Let's process this. And then you can start making changes. Um, yeah, that's a, a, the integration piece is, is hugely important. I would agree because I wish I had a little more integration at the end afterwards. Because, like I said, for the first two weeks, I I just couldn't get mm -hmm. to a certain rhythm again, and it was hard. And I was meditating 
very heavily. Um, I think some parts of my essence was open because I remember my wife, my wife, and we were going to Cancun like a couple weeks later. And I remember waking up and I see into the ceiling some spirits and I'm and I don't see. I choose not to see. I rather feel. Uh, they will freak me out if I see them. So I'm like, just, I want to feel, but I was seeing them and I'm like, I did not ask to see. And I just had to clear them out. <laughs> and I was just like, I, but it was more of the process of just getting back into a new rhythm of life. And, it, and, it, and I, and I wish I had more of that integration because it, it would have been, it would have been different. I think it would, I would have been able to accelerate in some of the things um, because I had, even though I went through the death experience, I was reading a book and it was talking about something about the end of like this experience of all life will eventually, you know, wrap up to an end. And I misinterpreted it because my mind wasn't clear and I thought mm-hmm. the soul had an end. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, this doesn't make sense. The infinity where we would last forever. We never go. And it took me on a journey, but I was happy for it. Everything happens for a reason, even though it's still a ton of fear. Um, it motivated me to study the afterlife for the next three years. Uh, and then after that, I was like, no, we're good. We live forever. This is cool. Uh, I'm like, I'm not worried anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was that one little thing I misread because my mind wasn't clear at that point to do that. So I think it, it, just to emphasize on the integration afterwards is is, is very, very critical. Absolutely. And you talked about um the importance of, or you talked about kind of the commercialization of ayahuasca and how that's, 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 that's bothering you. And that is, that is a, um that is also a balancing act where there are more people who are hearing and learning about ayahuasca. That's a, seems like a good thing. That means there are more people who want to experience ayahuasca also seems like a good thing. Finding reputable ayahuasca experiences. Um, yeah, that's, that's harder. So in my book, I have a whole, a whole chapter on how do you find a, a quality um, psychedelic retreat location. But just, just one of the questions I would ask was for, for people who are, who, are, who are exploring this is just how many people will be in my session? So good, at least in my, anywhere from 12 to 20, that's, that seems very reasonable to me. But there are groups out there doing 80 or a hundred people in a, in an ayahuasca experience. And that is a, there's a lot going on to manage with 80 to a hundred people. Um, and it's, it, and yeah, so I would just, I would ask if, if someone out there is listening and they're looking at this, that's a question I would ask, how many people will be on this experience or with this experience with me? That's a good question. Then what are the integration options for afterwards? And it's okay. A lot of them don't have a lot of integration options. And then I would, I would encourage your listeners to go find integration for themselves. So they can go to maps.org, which is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. They have a list of integrators. They can go to Psychedelic Spotlight. They can go to Psychable. They can go to even uh, the Third Wave. There's a number of different groups out there that that have integrators that you can hire to help you post your psychedelic medicine experience. That's very cool. I appreciate that information for people to, to, to listen in on that and, and get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, I want to shift gears a little too more back to psilocybin because that's the one yeah. that I keep hearing a lot about lately. And mm-hmm. um, how many different forms of mushrooms are there for, because when people think of, I, I, this was for me too. I was like, oh, psilocybin, it's, it's from the, you know, the magic mushrooms. And then also one day I went to go look them up and this was like a few years back. And also I'm going, wow, there's a lot more than I thought. I'm like, is it all the same different property? You know, just want to pick your brain on that. Yeah. There are, I mean, there are hundreds of magic mushrooms that contain psilocybin really all over the world. I think the only, the only country, only area that doesn't grow psilocybin, I think is Antarctica, but everywhere in the world has them there. They grow in nature. Um, and yes, there are very, there are wildly different strains of psilocybin that can, um, have different intensities depending on which one you, uh, you choose. So, so not all psilocybin is equal. Um, and, and so, so what are people doing with psilocybin today? A number of people are, are choosing to microdose. Um, and before I forget, I did create a, a free guide to microdosing, that I'll make available for your listeners. It'll be at uh, mattzeman.com slash empower your reality, and they can go and grab this. So everything I'm about to say um, will be here in, the, in that little free guide to microdosing, because this is a, a very common question. So, so when you microdose, you're taking a sub-perceptual dose. So what does that mean? In a perfect world, you're taking just enough that if you took a little bit more, you would feel it, but you don't feel it. So you can work, you can interact with your family, you can go about your life, um, but you're taking just enough that it's in your body. 
And the theory behind it is that will help you with connection, connecting to the ground, connecting to your loved ones, connecting to society. And it's going to help you with your creativity. Um, can know that's the theory. There are two different ways that people microdose. Um, there, uh, one was created by a, a Dr. James Fadiman. The other one was a guy named Paul Stamets. Uh, one theory is you take it three or four days in a row, and then you take three days off and you do that kind of in four week cycles, take a couple weeks off and do it again. And then the other way to do it is you take it on day one, it's in your body on day two, it kind of comes out on day three, you do it again on day four. And you do that for about a month and then you take a break. But either way of doing it, um, the the goals that people are doing it for are the ones I just talked about. Connection, love, um, creativity. Yeah, this is what I've heard a lot about because it's it's one of the things with the creativity side and um, how it just, you know, again, just getting a little bit in there. And I heard the the, the second, the latter process of you take it on day one, skip mm-hmm. two, go three, skip four, or no, is it one and two and then go to four? I think it's yeah, two days off, one, right? Yep, two days off, then, then yeah, you take it on day four. And, and you do it what you said for like a whole month and then you take, I'm assuming a couple of weeks, a couple weeks off and so forth yep. with that. Um, cause I know some people who there's a guy I know who's like, yeah, I did some psilocybin microdose, this and that. And I went surfing for like four hours and man connecting to the dolphins and the ocean and this. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. Okay. This is interesting. So when it comes to microdosing, I've done a little bit of my own research, but I'm going to pick your brain on this is how much of a percentage is it, you know, you're taking compared to what's a normal, like what's a normal dose of someone to take psilocybin to go on a trip? I guess that's the, if that's the correct word, you can tell so, them I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a expert at these words at all. Now. So, so when people talk about a, um, a large dose or a macro dose psilocybin experience, and they want to have an ego death, like you talked about, or, or a very, very deep journey, they're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of five grams or more. So it's it's a it's a significant um, experience. You cut that in half, two and a half grams. You're you are absolutely feeling that. You should not be driving. You should not be working. You should not be making big decisions. Um, and it's and it's a uh, but it's a it's a lovely experience. It's just not as intense as as the quote hero dose of the of the five grams or more. When you're talking about micro dosing, it's like anywhere from point. 2.5 it's it's a tenth or 20th of a hero dose would be a micro dose um so somewhere in that neighborhood uh it's good to know yeah the hero yeah no that happened because i've talked to my my wife about this when we and, and i was like you know she's like you wouldn't do well with shrooms if you took a full you don't like that experience and i was like why? what do you mean? Why, goes, what, what is it yeah why the hallucination part hmm I but weren't you hallucinating with the ayahuasca? Oh yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, what I, I was in the sense not seeing in with physical eyes, like seeing. I mean, sure. I remember when they were like, "Once you take it, you know, it takes about forty-five minutes. You'll start to see some sacral geometry figure." And all of a sudden, it was like fifteen minutes. I'm looking at the ceiling, and I'm just going, "Why am I seeing sacral geometry?" I'm like, "I was just sacral geometrical geometrical figures on the ceiling." And I'm going, oh, crap, what did I do? <laughs> so I was like, I don't like this. Um, but then it was only when I had my eyes closed. That's where I went into the whole the whole world. It was funny because I can go open my eyes and look and go, OK, I'm here. I feel a little different, but I'm here. And then I close my eyes and bam, I'm in this. I'm like, wow, that's a whole different world. Colorful and this and that. Um, so she's like, I know you don't like that too much. I'm like, well, maybe it's just my first time. I was a little bit because um, people can have a bad trip, can't they? Well, they can have a challenging trip, which again, <laughs> Thank you. same thing, but let's, let's back up for just a moment here. Yeah. Yeah. So one, of, one of the, again, best practices for lack of a better word, when it comes to, um, psychedelic experiences is to wear an eye mask. Um, ideally where the eye holes are, are, are cut out or, or where there's room to have your eyes open within the eye mask. So if you can imagine now you're wearing an eye mask, ideally you also have a, a playlist that's been made for psychedelic uh, experiences. So for those who are interested in psilocybin, since that's what we're talking about, there is an amazing playlist on uh, on Spotify that it's basically the playlist that Johns Hopkins University uses when they're guiding people through psilocybin experiences. It is beautiful. So you put on this eye mask, you put on these headphones. So then what is the hallucinations? Well, what I can I can tell you firsthand that in this blackness with your eyes open, I've seen more than I've ever seen without the mask and my eyes open. 
It is the the biggest cathedrals, the biggest shapes, the biggest, most beautiful sunsets. It's you can see that within the black the darkness. So yes, they are absolutely hallucinations. But um, but to your point, in the blackness, they're 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 really beautiful. And and for some people, it's less jarring than when you take the mask off and you see the hallucinations on a wall or on the floor or on the ceiling. It's a, it's a very different experience. So I think part of the best practices in terms of having a the higher likelihood of a smoother journey is wear the mask for a while. And then at some point your body will say, you've got this, take the mask off, go out into nature or potentially, and maybe you do that. But the, the mask is a great place to start. No, I can, I can just feel that would be a difference um, mm -hmm. in that process. Cause then it gets you kind of honed in and you're kind of like a little bit more like, okay, I got this now you get that confidence. And cause it was like, um, they didn't allow us to go out at all with ayahuasca. You, you we were in a space and we stayed mm -hmm. there, but the second day we did a mapacho ceremony and that was kind of cool. Cause we did this whole thing where we had mapacho, we drank like a gallon of water and we're throwing <laughs> up and all this fun stuff that when people mm -hmm. hear this, like you're, you're forcing yourself to throw up. And uh, then all of a sudden they're like, go have fun. You guys have an hour, go out. And we were right out in the forest preserve. So they're like, go out and walk through the forest. And I was like feeling very buzzy in my head. And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, you know what? I already went through that. I'm kind of, this is kind of, a, I'm, I'm okay with this. And my wife and I went out there and, and man, talking about connecting with nature, it was so blissful. I'm looking at a leaf and I'm just like, I know this thing has life already, but now I can feel it. I can see it. It's just so crazy. Um, yeah, and, and so forth. And uh, so, yeah, eventually down the road, one of these days, psilocybin comes up every once in a while. And I'm always like, when I feel the calling, when maybe yeah. microdosing is, I'm way more interested in microdosing uh, at this point in my life than, you know, doing a whole full, but, um, just because it's like, you know, even with like ayahuasca, like the normal dose that they recommend was way too much for me. Uh, it does, I think it's what sometimes it takes you too far in where the, the third day I started playing around with the dosage where I'm like, just give me one fourth of what you would normally give somebody. And I did that and it put me in that beautiful bliss state. And mm -hmm. then of course, an hour later, they're like, if you want to take another, and I'm like, you know what? I'll do another quarter. Let me see if, if where's that range. Cause I never done it before. So I'm trying to figure this out now. And that quarter, that extra quarter took me a little on the deep end. Like I was, my mother, I was like, all right, we're going to get in some deep work here a little bit. And I was like, Oh no, come on. I was in bliss. And she's like, don't worry. And we went, it was about an hour. And then all of a sudden I came back out and I was in that bliss state and seeing things from a different perspective. And I was like, that was awesome. That's why I'd see if I didn't have that third day be that way, I'd be questioning a little bit of all that, that, that of what I went through. But it was one of those things where um, I've learned that, you know, my body is very sensitive to these, at least, at least for ayahuasca per se, like alcohol. No, but uh, when it comes to the ayahuasca, yeah, I found out that it's like the little is little goes a farther away from me. What's um so and everybody is different. Everybody reacts to these psychedelic medicines differently and everybody reacts to different psychedelic medicines differently. So finding your baseline makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, I would encourage again, listeners, when you're working with a good practitioner, they should help you feel into what is the right amount for you, for the reason you're there and for your weight and for your experience and your life experience. And, uh, for based on also things that have happened to you in the past, kind of where do they want to guide you to? Sometimes they're going to say, I want you to take a full cup. I want you to have this deeper journey because you need to, you need to let go because you're too type a, and this is, and at least that's my experience. I, I was, uh, you need to let go. You don't, you, you never let go. You're trying to be in control all the time and we're going to make it where there is no control. And then maybe in the next or subsequent one, it's okay. Now that you understand this, try something smaller. Um, the, uh, it's interesting also, ayahuasca is so popular these days to your point, but psilocybin is just, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's, it, I think, I don't know if easier is the right word, but it's not as physical. It's very loving. It's very connected. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a gentler journey for people to start. So a lot of times I, I would recommend that people would start, well, actually, there's, there's also a legal psychedelic, which we haven't touched on yet, but, uh, we but start with something like a psilocybin and then move up to an ayahuasca or move up to a DMT, um, and yeah, just cause it's, 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 it's a nice place to, uh, to get into the pool. Yeah. And <clears throat> when it comes to DMT, is that, 
Um, I only know of one way and that's, uh, smoking it is a way to get it, but it's short lived. Um, are there others? I mean, I know ayahuasca does that with blending and all that kind of stuff, but, um, for the listeners, DMT, uh, what is it? And how is that a little bit more of what would you, I think you use a term, something psychedelics, uh, that we didn't even get into yet. Um, head opening, uh, head opening, there we go. head opening. Yeah. yeah. So DMT and then what, then five MEO DMT, which people hear as Bufo are kind of another step. So let's, let's back up for a minute. Just ayahuasca is two different vines. You blend them together, you melt them down, you boil them together. And then when you ingest ayahuasca, typically as a liquid, um, there are experiences that, that were, that, that are DMT generated when you do just DMT or when you inhale, um, to your point, just DMT that is releasing those chemicals. It's a it's a um, a flood of of serotonin, um, and it takes you into that that um that bliss state, that colorful universe that uh, that can also happen in ayahuasca, but it is super short lived. You're talking typically fifteen to thirty minutes of a, of an experience. So for people who have not had a psychedelic experience this can be jarring because you, you're going from, Hey, how are you doing to you inhale this? And within 10 seconds, you're on a rocket ship. You are there. And, um, and that can be a lot, especially if you're, if you're not, if you've never experienced like where you're going to, it, it's a lot. And then when you talk about five MEO, it's, it's a whole nother, it's, that's a, that's another level of, of rocket ship, um, and, and melting into the universe and to the whiteness and into the energy and the waves. It's, it's different. Um, let's go back and just talk. I want to make sure we, we talk about, there is a legal psychedelic, which anybody can now, anyone with depression or anxiety at all, if they, if this is another place for people to start and that's ketamine. Have you had experience with ketamine? No, I haven't, but I, I, I heard of it. So it's a, it, it was approved as an anesthetic back in 1970. So it's been around for a long time. They started working on it for mental health in 1974, um, so there's, I mean, 20,000 papers on its safety, little to no uh, side effects. Um, and to, you can take it. Typically, there's three different primary ways that people take it. They can go into a clinic and get an IV or a needle into your arm and sit there for about an hour while the ketamine is being put into your body. You can do it intermuscular where they give you a shot. And then there's an oral way that a lot of the virtual companies are using where they're giving you a rapid dissolved tablet that you put under your tongue, you hold it in your mouth for about 15 minutes, um, depending on the, what your doctor prescribes. You spit out the medicine, put on your eye mask, lay down, and you go on a and go on your experience. What's nice about ketamine is you're talking about a, about a one-hour experience. So it's very, very, very manageable. With oral ketamine, it's similar to what you talked about in the ayahuasca experience where it's you're holding the medicine for 15 minutes. Maybe it's another 10 more minutes before you groove into this. And then all of a sudden you find yourself where the weight of the world has been lifted off your shoulders and you're able to process things and look at whether it's past traumas or past experiences, but you're able to do it kind of dis- dissociated from yourself. And you can look at things without kind of the the shame and guilt that might have been there had you not had the the medicine. And then the really cool thing about about ketamine is it kicks off a um, a neurogenesis uh, process. So it's not only um, quieting down your default mode network and allowing your neurons to connect in ways that they don't normally connect. Because we all, especially as we get older, we get into our, this is how we think. So it it breaks that up, and then it starts creating new neurons in your brain that start growing. So that even well after the ketamine has left your your body, those neurons are continuing to grow. So it's it's a super powerful medicine. You can get it uh, prescribed off label, um, and yeah, there we I think there are upwards of four hundred ketamine clinics now in America working with mental health. So it's it's and it's growing. There is I think fifty just a few years ago. So it's it is a um, lot of positivity in that direction. Yeah, I've been seeing people pop up like I'm a ketamine now certified something something person, and I was like. Interesting. I thought that was like some sort of, you know, you name it and so forth. And so <clears throat> ketamine is that, you know, we talked about head. We talked about going way out there, mm-hmm. UFO style uh, with the, what was it? M, uh, I've heard of it. I just forget the name of it. Uh, the, the, DMT, your 5-MEO the, DMT. There you Bufo? go, that one. Yeah, there you go. yeah. yeah. Bu- is it called Bufo? 
Yeah, because the primary you can get a synthetic, but the primary way that people um, get it is they milk the glands of these bufo frogs that are in the Sonoran Desert, and then they let that uh, that venom dry, and then they make crystals, and then you inhale the crystals. Yep, that's it. That's um, the one. I, I remember that. I remember there was one from a frog that you're like, yeah, that one will take you way out. Um, Mm-hmm. when it comes to ketamine is that a heart opener mind blend where are we at with that one ketamines is it it's its own animal um it is it's called a disassociative anesthetic because that that's kind of the foundation so it's definitely separates you from your body which is very very interesting um a lot of people feel like wow i can move when i'm on ketamine but i just don't want to move everything is heavy everything is deeply relaxed um and then some people have, there's a range of visuals that can occur based on on the person and, and how they process the ketamine. Um, what's, again, ketamine showing, if, if someone is suicidal, it is one of the only medicines that, that you can give somebody and within an hour, they're no longer suicidal. That's incredible. Um, for people who have treatment-resistant depression or anxiety, this is something that provides almost immediate relief. And then for people who have even regular anxiety and depression, this is a way to like, oh, I don't need to carry this. Um, and then again, like other psychedelic medicines, ketamine has doesn't last as long typically as a psilocybin or ayahuasca. So many people, you'll take six sessions kind of up front. Within six weeks, you'll do it six times in one hour session. So it's it's not not a huge burden. And then depending on, on the person, Maybe they do it once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, once a quarter. It just depends. And you, you kind of dial in your your rhythm for that. Um, but yeah, the, the results for for lifting anxiety and depression is, is pretty tremendous. And it's I legal. Love, that's good to hear because I know most of these things are illegal or you have to go through potential loopholes to get there with some of them. I know like what ayahuasca is one of those things they use loopholes to be able to be like, well, it's, you know, Native American something, something, and they're able to somehow, whatever. But I know that, I think that loophole has closed now. Again, it's been 10 years, almost 10 years. Um, Do you see, one of my last questions I have for you is, do you see psychedelics really can to spur or accelerate um, human consciousness in the way of our experience to kind of uplift? Because when we look at things like, lower vibration, things I teach when I work out with clients about the, you know, just a law of vibration. I'm very heavy on that. And mm-hmm. in a lot of dark stuff people have, and we're, we work through it, we shift it, use the power of the mind. And when we can ascend to that, we get to the higher vibrations and we can start to change our neurology to get accustomed to that. Do you feel that psychedelics are a way to, I mean, obviously accelerate that process, but also shift our consciousness as humans, as a collective to experience more love, joy, bliss, and all these other things and start to move away from the older world of like, you know, lower vibrational stuff and so forth. Yeah, I compl- I really appreciate that question. When um, I think so often people approach psychedelics like it's an aspirin. I just need the medicine. Give me the medicine. I'm going to be, oh, and, and cure me. That's not what psychedelic medicine is about. Psychedelic medicine is a catalyst. So it's going to help your brain think in ways that you don't normally think. It's going to help your heart feel in a way that it doesn't normally feel. And it's going to show you, as you said earlier in this discussion, what is possible. All with a blanket of love and safety wrapped around you. So then you emerge from this experience. It's like, oh, I understand differently than I did just a few hours ago. And now I can take that into the world and realize that in, in the truest sense of we're all brothers and sisters, that we are all connected, I can understand that I can move that forward. And I can, that, that consciousness of, of how do I interact with my fellow human? How do I interact with nature? Yeah, it absolutely changes that. It, it, I know for me, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a spiritual practice before, before psychedelic medicine. And now I have a, a pretty structured morning routine and, and things that relate to this. I couldn't conceive of what a heaven could be like until I was like, oh, this is what it means if you get rid of all the bodies that <laughs> we could all work here and this could all work. Okay, I can see this. This makes sense. I couldn't do it before. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think, and then, and then my book is Psychedelics for Everyone. So of course, 
I'm not saying everybody should take psychedelics, that, but I believe that everybody should understand what they can do so that first we can help create laws and structures that people who need psychedelics or who want psychedelics can have access to them. And then for those that do want to take them, that this is they can have the information that they need to do it safely. I love that. I agree with that 100. percent It's uh, it's one of the things I used to say when we were gonna, I was doing ayahuasca in that circle. They were like, "Yeah, you do an ayahuasca. This is you're gonna have like 10 lifetimes of not you know of experience, you know lessons you're gonna learn in that process." And um, it has it helped me. You just share with the listeners that it has helped me in my own life in so many ways, um, just to live to enjoy mm-hmm. life because when you lose the fear of death, right, then all of a sudden you can really start to appreciate living more. And, Absolutely. Uh, I haven't been freer since. And and it's, you know, I already had a spiritual practice built in, but it was, it, it just amplified everything and it just helped me ground more uh, and so much more. So I greatly appreciate the work that you're doing. And like I said, I really believe psychedelics is going to, in my view is just see it shift consciousness for many different people uh, to just elevate their lives. And when we can all do that, we create this ripple effect that's going to liberate others. doesn't mean they have to do like, uh, you know, psychedelics of any sort, but it's just going to help liberate their spirit to shine more onto this world. And I think that's how we can really transcend things uh, to get to that. I would say utopia um but i will say um just a more elevated you know vibrational experience for all so before we wrap up matt how can people find you get your book and uh everything else so let's let's uh first way they can go to mattzeman.com slash empower your reality they can get their free downloading uh free guide to microdosing so anyone who's interested in that that's a great source um my book is available really anywhere books are sold so amazon barnes and noble apple um there's an audiobook coming out in the next month. That's kind of fun. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then I work, for, I'm the CEO of a company called Happy with two Y. So happy.me. And uh, we offer telehealth and in, in, um, with ketamine um, and starting here in Florida and then going from there. So those are, those are the primary ways people track me down. LinkedIn, happy to connect with you and Instagram as well. Awesome for everybody that will be in the show notes for you to connect. Matt, appreciate you, appreciate you coming on, uh, sharing your wealth of wisdom and doing what you do. I greatly appreciate it. Vic, thanks for being so open. This was a fun conversation. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, brother. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, Keep rocking and rolling. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.